Heavenly Father, we want that chorus to be our life's message that all we have is yours. We don't want religion. We want a relationship. A relationship with you through your son Jesus Christ that gives us the courage, the love, the self-discipline we need to make certain that in this life, our only life, we give it our very best. We give our spouse our best. We give our parents our best. We give our kids our best. We give our friends our best. God, we thank you for this week. Help us be thankful all week long. Even though some of us are are facing tough memory dates. God, be with the the daughter who is going to be without her mother this Thanksgiving for the first time. I pray that she experiences your Holy Spirit in a way that brings back such special presence with her mom. I pray for anyone here who's going to be without a loved one this week, that your Holy Spirit will somehow bring that presence that will provide comfort and peace and hope. You're the God of all hope. We want to hear from you today and this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. You can be seated. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm the pastor at Adventure. I'm thrilled to get to be with you this Thanksgiving week. We're in a new series. Today's the first day. We're in a new series that is uh, called Christians Who Got It Right. When Christians Get It Right. Don't you want to get it right personally? Don't you have areas in your life, I want to get it right. I mean, don't you... Don't you want to get your relationship with your spouse right if you're married? You want to get that right? Guys, just say yes, sir. Yeah, don't you? I mean, don't you want to, ladies, don't you want to get it right with your husband? Yeah. (laughs) Melissa and I are just about ready here in an hour or so. We're going to get on a plane or two hours and go to her family in Arkansas. I just can't wait to sit with her. How you doing? And just enjoy being together. Oh, I can't wait. Maybe she'll give me a kiss. Don't you want to get your relationship with your kids right? Raising kids. We learned a few weeks ago that we get 938 weeks from kindergarten until our kids graduate from high school. (laughs) You want to get it right. Don't you want to get your job right? Don't you, wanna, don't you want your supervisor, your, your team that you work with to say, hey, you're getting it right? <laughs> don't you want your friendships? Don't you want to be that friend that gets it right, that's, that loves unconditionally, that shows up, that's there to help and be there? Don't you want to get it right in school? Don't you want to get it right in your, as it relates to your health or your training, whatever you're doing? Don't you want to learn how to get better? You know, in 2017, Americans identified about five different areas they wanted to get it right in this year. Here's what they were. Number one, surprise, character. This year, Americans wanted to grow in character. This year, Americans wanted to actually shrink in body weight. This year, they wanted to save more money. There was a few areas they really wanted to get right. What does it look like to get stuff right? The letter that we're going to look at was written by the most prolific 
industrious worker for Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to kind of read with me when I pause and point to the word. You became a model. You were a model group to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. You got it right. And so the question I want to I want to deal with today is how do we get it right? How do we get it right in a modern world? And here's why Paul sent this letter. He, he had started this church. He was, it was a church start early in his ministry, and it, things erupted after he shared the message of turning to God, turning away from idols to the living God. And that may not sound like a very polarizing challenge, but if you go to the developing world and you share a message that there is one God and you're to turn from idols to the living creator, it is a very divisive, scary contemplation for hearers. I'll talk more about that. But they erupted. They got upset. They got angry. And the Jews themselves, his first message was given at a synagogue they were antagonistic against the idea that Jesus was the Messiah. How could anyone who was crucified be the chosen one? And so he wrote the letter for these three reasons, to ground them in the great truths of the Christian faith. You're going to hear some doctrine today, okay? I'll try to keep it under a couple hours. And to inform them about the details of the Lord's return. Emphatically, Paul's very clear, Jesus is coming back again. And he's speaking to the first century audience. Speaking to a 21st century audience, I want to tell you, Jesus is coming back again. Okay? Jesus is coming back again. And thirdly, he said to challenge them to stay at it, to persevere, to stay focused at what they were doing. So, that's the question I want to ask personally. How do we get it right in a modern world? In this modern world, how do we get it right? And basically, I'm going to take the principles that we, we can kind of just unpackage from the first chapter of his letter to this Grecian community and apply them to our lives. And I think you'll find that they're going to affect, they're going to ask questions about the motives you have. What motivates you? It's going to ask you questions about who do you surround yourself with? Who do you try to imitate? Who are your models? And then it's going to beg the question, what kind of future results are you looking for? What kind of net gain are you looking for long term? That's where we're headed. First, this is Thessalonica. This is modern day Thessalonica. Looks like a great place. One of the right on the Aegean Sea looking out at the Grecian islands. It's uh, still the largest city in all of Greece. There's 200,000 200, people were there in Paul's day. It is right in the middle of a trade route. So everyone went through Thessalonica that, were, that was uh, um, either traveling or selling. And this city was named Thessalonica. Actually, it was originally named Therma after the, because of all the hot springs in that area. So it was called Therma. I'd do a hot spring this afternoon. That sounds great. Uh, But it was named Thessalonica after the half-sister of Alexander the Great. He uh, named the city, which is kind of cool. Alexander wasn't just a warrior. He was a thoughtful brother-in-law or brother. 
what we learn from this letter is this church got it right because they worked with the right motives. They had the right heart. You know, it's funny, when we think about our, and measure what we do, we measure our performance by numbers. We measure our performance by um, a variety of metrics, but it's not always metrics of, is really clear that, pause and point, that's where you step, okay? I'm going to ask you to read this with me, and again, when I pause and point, that's where you step in, okay? Here it is, first chapter, Paul writing from his, his team, we always, let's, we always thank God. Let's just pause there. Harvard has a recent study out indicating that people that are grateful at least six times a day are way less inclined to be depressed, they're way more optimistic, and they're healthier people. Who's interested in being healthy? Key to being healthy? Be thankful. They say you need to have a list of six things. This is according to a Harvard study. Google it. They say you need to have a list of about six things that you say, I'm thankful for every day. Okay? So there you go. There's some homework for you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our Okay, so if you're really grateful, you're going to include Thanksgiving in your prayers. I remember before our God and Father, your work produced by Okay, now we're getting into some doctrine here. Your labor prompted by Nice. And your endurance inspired by hope in what? In our Okay. So what you have just read is the only other triad faith, hope, and love apart from the wedding chapter. The 1 Corinthians 13 that you always hear in a wedding. Love is patient, love is kind. And the greatest faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is, right? This is the only other occasion, it's called a parallel passage, where that triad, those three, faith, hope, and love, in a different order, faith, love, and hope, are placed. And Paul is saying that you're motivated by faith, love, and hope. Now, that, go to your boss next week after Thanksgiving and say, hey, I got a new motivation around here, man. Faith, love, and hope. You in for that? He's going to be like, dude, how much turkey did you eat? Okay? It's, it's typically we don't measure people's motives. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. <clears throat> Here it is. Work produces faith. Work, I should say, is produced by faith. Faith is what gives us the willingness to go forward and do, take steps we know we need to take. And maybe that's just getting up in the morning. But it's taking the steps that we need to take because we believe that it's the right thing to do, that God's leading us to take those steps. It's faith to act, faith to move. Remember with the patriarchs, they were told a direction to go, basically, without any GPS or specificity. Just go. And they had to have the faith. Abraham, Ur, Isaac, Ur. They had to have the faith to go. The disciples, go where the Spirit's sending you in the first century. You have to go. Work is produced by this kind of faith. It's This church had an incredible faith. Secondly, labor is prompted by love. 
love, in Jesus' definition, is unconditional. It's not a, I love you because you perform well. I love you because you love me. It's unconditional. It's a very unique love. In fact, a new Koine Greek word was introduced to the first century because of Jesus' new definition of love that was shed on the cross. I love you. Though he was despised by men and rejected, he still gave up his life as a substitutionary death, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. This kind of love takes work. It takes work to love people. It takes work to love people when you don't feel like it. My nature is not to be loving naturally. Oh, I can love, but I'm better at loving myself for some reason than others. I do real well at loving people who really like me. But when they don't like me, for some reason, I go into a different gear. Right? Labor is prompted by love. So when Paul's describing this church, he's saying they, are, they, they view love as a work. I mean, they really are willing to do that work of love. How many of you have opportunities this week to be prompted to labor in love for others? Okay, great. Okay. Now how many of you are imagining who's going to be at the Thanksgiving table? Okay, all right. Opportunity, right? Thirdly, they were motivated to endure because they were inspired by hope's a big deal. Hope of, the, of this triad is normally left on the sidelines. We forget during World War II how hope is what kept people alive. When you, when you stop hoping, it literally shuts your body down. Several, several historical books prove that. Your body just shuts down. I'm sure medical, the medical community would concur. What can this become? Hope, hope keeps you in the game. Hope says, what can this become? Instead of giving up on maybe a relationship giving up on a behavior, giving up maybe on a small business, giving up on um, a marriage, a family. Hope says, okay, guess what? I ain't feeling, excuse the back, poor language, I'm not feeling this, but I want to know what this could become. I'm curious. If, if God is real, and I believe he is, what can he do to this situation to change it? That's hope. So that describes their motives, faith, love, and hope in that order. Here's how you kind of go forward with the kind of motivation that Jesus wants us to have. You do your work by faith, you labor by love, and you endure with hope. Faith, love, and hope. Let those motivate you. And you know that there's a lot of other stuff that can motivate us. We can be motivated by applause. We can be motivated by likes on Facebook. Just me. We can be motivated by um, success, popularity, money, advancement. I, I think Paul is excited about this church because they're motivated by serving who we all mentioned earlier, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's enough. Him alone. The nearness of God is my good. The earth has nothing I desire 
Everything I need is from you. They got their motives right. What did they get right? Their motives. Their motives. Secondly, they were inspired by the right models. He says, you became imitators of us and of the... It's really good. And so you became a... To all the... This was a model community. It was a model community because they surrounded themselves with models who were modeling the... And that's, that's really critical, is that you surround yourself with some friends as you have opportunity who will raise your character, who brings something better out of you. You know, I've said it before, you're the average of your five closest friends. I'm not encouraging you to unfriend anyone, but I think sometimes we need to add a friend that brings something better out of us. If you're hanging out with people that are motivated, are not motivated by faith, not motivated by love, and not motivated with hope, that sounds pretty unmotivating. And so you want to add some friends. And, you know, we live in a community where people move all the time, and you need to make new friends every couple years. Not new, but you need to add them, right? These, these, this church was inspired by the right models. I'm so grateful. This, in this last year, personally, I made an effort to surround myself with some new um, co-workers and some new people in the community. This, this year, I was intentional um, about uh, training with a running team in this area, and it's been great. I've loved it. And uh, there's several people way faster than me, and it's good for me to be around them. I've also gotten to corroborate with some communicators this year. It's been great. Talented, 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 talented people. And and those kind of steps have been super. And I want to challenge you this year. Are there some new relationships you need to make this next year that will bring something better out of you, Christ better out of you? Now, what is a, what's the key to being a great model? What kind of qualities would we look for in someone who was modeling? Number one, you've got to offer them proximity. We need to get close. That means you can't avoid con- tough conversations. Paul wrote, remember that for three years, I never stopped warning. <laughs> who, who wants to be the warner? That's no fun. He was willing to do it. Each of each warning each of you each night and day with I mean he was passionate and and willing to be honest. That's hard. That is not easy. It's so much easier to just kind of ignore the situation, isn't it? And so that's why we teach here, we taught it last summer that the way to have a, a conversation with someone close, if you're concerned about something, it's to practice not judge, being judgmental. It's to practice empathy. And you ask questions like, hey, how's it going? Good? Yeah. How about the Niners? Yeah. Okay. And then you say, hey, it might just be me, but it seems like you're, you're, you're handling things a little differently than you normally would. I've been around you enough to say to observe that what I've seen lately, it's not the you I know. 
I want to be there for you. Help me understand. What can I do to help? That's it. And just listen. It's empathetic listening. It's, uh, it's letting someone know you love them. It's not judgmental, but it's, it's not ignoring people. To ignore people, actually, is it says that you don't care. Proximity will help you be a model and help a model friend have access to you. Second is authenticity. This is being real. Paul said, I serve the, the Lord. <laughs> That's what we do. Our work, whatever we do, we do it as unto the moms, you serve the dads, you serve the students, you serve the. That's what we do. We, we serve him with all our might. With great and with, Paul's saying, it's, I'm being honest, he's, I'm being real, he's saying, you saw me crying. Authenticity. Thirdly is integrity. This was a number one value for Americans this year. We need to be righteous. Now, when I, when I say this word, it's easy to say, wow, oh, that what this church is about? We have a saying at this church, no perfect people allowed. If you think you're perfect, you will not like us. And we won't really care for you that much either. <laughs> but when I say righteous, what I mean is letting Christ's righteousness come into your life and transform you by his Holy Spirit, by his grace. And Paul said this about his, the fact that he wasn't in it for the money. He says this, I have not coveted anyone's or, or, okay, those were the commodity. He didn't, he couldn't put Lexus or, you know, or house or anything there. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own and the, of my so he, he provided for his whole team. This is high standard of, um, of integrity. This guy, I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, uh, they didn't, he wasn't owed them anything. He made certain it was all for free. I hope that said that right. They didn't owe him anything. It was all for free. That's integrity. I love that. I want to pause here just for a moment and clarify that we have a lot of workers here at Adventure that serve an hour a week here. We have folks that make this church possible that you wouldn't even know they serve as much as they do. They don't talk about it. They serve at home. They serve throughout the community. Some people here serve from one to as much as 20 hours a week, volunteer. Could you just take a moment and say thank you to them by putting your hands together? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I mean, it, just so you know, it's, it's all, it's a, we're a volunteer-led organization. Volunteer. And it's amazing to me. I honestly wonder if I wasn't a pastor, and I'm a paid pastor here, my full salary is paid here. I wonder, what would I be like? Would, would I be the servant that all my friends are? Maybe someday I'll get to try that one out. I hope so. Hope I would be the kind of servants that I'm surrounded by. Integrity. That's what you look for in a model. And then lastly, longevity. Paul said, we need to keep going. However, I consider my life worth... And let's pause there. Did Paul have low self-esteem? No. He, he, what he's saying is that it's not about me. Opening words of the purpose-driven life. My only aim is to oh, finish the... and complete the... the Lord Jesus has given me. Let me just suggest here. Is Paul unique? In that as an apostle, which means he was given 
authority to write on behalf of Jesus and authority to start churches and lead. Only about 14 people were given that title. The, the 11 remaining disciples and two or three other guys, James, the Lord's brother, Paul, the apostle. There's one more. I can't think of him. But if are, is Paul unique in that he has a race, a task that the Lord's given him? Is he, is he totally unique? Is he the only one that's been given a mission, a race? No. Have we all been given a mission personally? Does that mission have specificity to it? Do, have we all been given a lot in life, a responsibility to the Lord Jesus, a church-wide mission? We all have a mission. We do, and the Lord wants to fulfill that through you. You might be saying, oh, geez, I don't have any idea what he's talking about. Here's the deal. If you surround yourself with great models, they will help you figure it out. That's how you get there. That's, one, that's, that's how you get there. Longevity. These are great models. Thirdly, well, before I go, let's back up. What is it that helped this church get it right in the first century world? Number one, they had the right what? Motives. Motives, right. Good job. And then secondly, what was it that they did? What, what did they surround themselves by? They had the right models. Models, good job. And then lastly, they lived for the right results. The right results. He says this, you turn to God from to serve the living and true God. Let's read that again. You turn from God to, to serve the living and true God. Just pause there. Turning from idols, that seems kind of like a developing world thing. Like, and it still does happen. There are anecdotes about a missionary or pastor sharing the gospel with a community, an unbelieving community, an animistic community that worships animals. And um, on one occasion, one, one anecdote is a, a Christian leader in the community eating one of their idols, which was a turtle. He roasted it and ate it. I know that's kind of a little much for pre-Thanksgiving, but he, he <laughs> ate it, and everyone in the tribe was freaking out. He just ate one of our guts. We are toast. And everyone survived. And they're like, oh, my word, this Jesus really must be who he said he was. Another chieftain was trying to teach. He was a new believer trying to teach people that this idol... Um, was was worthless, that Jesus was the only true God, and he took a banana and he struck the idol. I'm sure he didn't hit it, you know, in a, in a terribly violent way, but he struck the idol with a banana. <laughs> oh, my word, the whole community is like, we are done. <laughs> Everyone survived. Now, we might, just so you know, I'm not exaggerating. If you went to India today as an American Christian, you'd have to go on business to go there, and you started sharing the message that you can turn from your idols, your gods. They have 3,000 of them. You can, you, there's plenty of food here. You can, you know, what, what is perceived to be your grandparents out here, the animals. You see how sensitive this can get? You see how 
how polarizing that message could be? You feel it? You have friends that are Hindu or Sikh? That's the kind of tension that was happening in the first century. Okay? And people freaked out, and they, 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 they started violently reacting to the Christian message because it was so polarizing. <clears throat> but think about how that idolatry of India has impacted that whole country on every level. I hope God will do something great there someday. He is. By the way, we support a missionary in the state of Bihar. I've been here. It's a new church work that started in the year 2000. It was considered by Gandhi the dump yard of the whole country. And they're running anywhere. They started a few with a few Christians every Sunday in all their churches. They're running 70 to 100,000 a weekend. They're, they're larger than we are. <clears throat> But those people are turning to Jesus. You t- so let's say it. You turn to God from to serve the living and true and to wait for his from whom he raised from the Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's read that again. I like that. You turn to God from to serve the living and true and to wait for his son from whom he, from the Jesus who, us, from the coming wrath. Now, here's the deal. Some of you might be thinking you don't like the wrath word. Really? What about when you're, as a parent, you're on the sidelines of a soccer game and your kid's a defender, and someone slide tackles him super hard. Or he's, your kid's an offender. He's on the front. He's a, a right forward, a left forward, a center. And he's coming in on the, on the goal, and a defender just slide tackles him aggressively. Are you like, hey, just let it go? Just let it go? No. Or if you were at the Intercom Del Oro game last week, and you saw pass interference that the official didn't call, how do you respond? I want some justice around here, right? So you, you have a sense of wrath, okay? Right? I like what Melissa said earlier. The cross, everything was done on the cross. There's, no, there's nothing I can do to get right, get more right with God. It's, it's all done. It's been accomplished on the cross. I shared last week, in God's economy, in, God's, in my standing with God, it's like having my mortgage paid off. It's at a zero balance. And even though I sin or refi, it's still at a zero balance. I try not to refi intentionally. It's a bad habit. But it's always at a zero balance. That's Freedom. And also, the wrath of God that we see in this life. That's why Jesus said, don't take justice in your own hands. Let the Lord carry out justice. He carries out justice in this life, in his time and in his way, but he also will carry it out someday when Jesus comes back someday. And the hope that the Christian have, or the, the, the truth that the Christian has that's unique, is that we don't have to fear the wrath someday. 
Is it because we're special? Oh, gosh, no. It's because we believe that the wrath of God was fully poured out on his son on the cross. The entire wrath of God was poured out on his son. So we're not doing any wrath if we believe that. If we have committed the only unforgivable sin, which is to be presented with the message that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life, and to the opportunity to stand before the living God on your own character and righteousness, you are without the substitutionary death of Christ to cover your sin, to pay your mortgage off. You have to handle your eternal mortgage the rest of your life. He absorbed the whole wrath. We've been rescued. So, what's the key here? They lived free lives because they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. They lived forward lives to wait for the Son of Son from heaven, and they lived forgiven lives, Jesus who rescued them from the coming wrath. Here's the question I pose today. Personally, how do we get it right in our modern world? And I've said this, work with the right motives, faith, hope, and love. Be motivated by them. And faith is active. It takes steps. Noah, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. It's active. It takes steps. Secondly, the way we get it right in our modern world is that we, we're inspired by the right models. Get close, be real, be righteous, keep going. The right models. I overheard very recently my son learn of the former Intel senior president, Pat Gelsinger, who was a part of the Intel chip innovation, leading a company in the Bay Area. He considered going into ministry full-time, working at a church, doing missions. And he backed up and said, you know what, instead I'm just going to consider all my employees, I think he has 1,500, my church, and serve them. He's a model. Be inspired by the right models. Thirdly, live for the right results. Free, forward, and forgiven. That is how you get it right in our modern world. Faith, love, and hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for this special letter in our 21st century modernity. We just ask that your spirit would speak to our hearts right now.